Hi guys, welcome back to the 11th episode of The Prosperity Project. My name is Braden Turner, and today I am joined by a very special guest, Dr. Kathleen Foote. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks, Braden. I'm very uh, excited, and it's a privilege to be here. I've listened to several of the podcasts that you've done before. I've been uh, very impressed. I think it's uh, you and Lily that have been doing the, the series, and I commend you for taking on such a challenging topic. Yeah. and helping your friends and fellow students um, sort of address mental health. And I really appreciate how not only do you bring light to the um, problems that uh, our students and youth are facing, but also try to problem solve and how to make those um, issues better and giving people solutions. Yeah. I like that you share the resources. So I'm hoping today that by being here, I can sh uh, give you some resources from a professional um, yeah. perspective, how we treat depression and and um, things that you can do to help yourself and others. Yeah, that, I think that was the biggest goal of this podcast was to have um, the expertise of a pediatrician and what you have to say. Um, but I wanted to ask you to start, what made you want to go into pediatrics? Um, I could answer, it could be a very long answer. Uh -huh. I will be honest in that um, ultimately, as I love working with kids uh -huh. and their families, uh, pediatrics is a, um, profession that really values prevention. Um, so in medicine, you know, pediatricians diagnose and treat um, diseases and illnesses. Um, and we are trained to do that, but we also get a lot of training in how to address um, issues and hopefully prevent problems. So especially when it comes to kids' developmental and behavioral health and, you know, in terms of this podcast are, are super important things that we learn to address. Um, we really value keeping kids safe and healthy, and so we spend a lot of time working um, with children and families on uh, doing that. I feel like in pediatrics especially, um, our, we, we're unique in that we have our patient, which is the kid, and we also the um, families, and pediatricians are almost like coaches for the parents and caregivers of the kids, trying to help them um, learn how to help children develop safely um, and giving them tips on how to keep them healthy lifelong. Um, so I really enjoy that about pediatrics. Awesome. So you've been a pediatrician for a long time now, mm -hmm. over 20 years, I believe. How has the overall mental and physical health of children changed in the past 20 or so years that you've worked? Yeah, I think I, for the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to focus on the behavioral okay. and um, and mental health issues um, that we're seeing more of now. And what I like to think about is that, um, you know, these depression and anxiety was present um, long before the pandemic. Yeah. And I think um, the pandemic sort of accelerated what we, we were seeing even yeah. before. So if you look at data, um, you know, from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, um, the CDC, even in 2019, um, they reported that mental health challenges and suicidal thoughts, ideas, and actions among young people was already a severe and growing problem in the United States. Um, and the pandemic certainly worsened um, that situation. Uh, in the year of the pandemic, 37% of teenagers reported they experienced poor mental health um, during the COVID-19 pandemic and 44% experienced persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness during the past year. So even though the pandemic accelerated the mental health um, issues we were seeing for young people in this country, it was present long before. 
So it's really something that, um, especially in recent years, um, has come more to light. And, and it's sort of a, a strength in that now we know there, we need to look at these issues very closely. Um, we need to have hard conversations, unfortunately, with families and patients um, about the mental health of our young people. Um, it's, it is a crisis public health situation. If you look at the data, and even before the pandemic, from 2011 to 2020, um, in Colorado, um, suicide was the leading cause of death in teenagers age eight, 10 to 18 in Colorado. So that was before the yeah. pandemic. So, um, and it's really sad to me because mm -hmm. I feel like this is something we can, we can all work to prevent. So as a pediatrician, even though I was sort of trained um, to diagnose medical and, and uh, physical ailments and treat those, what I found in the last 10, 15 years is that I've been shifting more and more to um, helping um, address mental health issues in teens as well. And, and that was always part of my job, but it seems like it's more prevalent now. Um, it's interesting if you look at causes of death in, in teenagers ages 10 to 18 in Colorado. Uh, unfortunately, more children die by suicide in that age group than the leading eight medical causes wow. of death. So if you consider things like cystic fibrosis, um, heart disease, lung disease, uh, infections due to you know, sepsis, congenital mm -hmm. anomalies, cancer, you add up all the numbers of kids that die between 2011 and 2020, ages 10 to 18, more children died by death by suicide wow. than those other causes yeah. combined. So it's, it's a crisis. Okay. So um, in regards to that idea and how uh, the pandemic accelerated mm -hmm. um, these suicide rates, as a pediatrician, what are the best strategies that you have learned to combat depression and suicidal ideations among the youth? So that's a really good question. Um, this is something I work with almost daily at my office. Um, I'm going to start by looking at some of the things we actually don't have control of. There are factors that can make people more prone to depression or anxiety that are things that we can't really um, prevent. Okay. So if you look at like life yeah. uh, events, uh, if you lose a parent um, by death or you have a close family friend mm -hmm. or relative, um, those are stressors that we can't really you know, predict or control. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, kids that experience trauma, um, that can lead more to depression and anxiety. Um, think about kids living in, uh, like the Ukraine right now, they're growing up with a war yeah. that's around them. Um, so those are things we can't really address. Genetics, yeah. you know, obvious people who have family members um, that also have depression and anxiety, those people are higher risk. So those are things that we can't. What we can do is work on simple things in our daily lives to help um, stay mentally healthy, mm -hmm. kind of emotional hygiene yeah. issues, I call them. So simple things like you've talked a lot on your podcast. Um, I forget what you call the, it's like a wheel of... Sources of strength wheel. Sources of yeah. strength, right. So, you know, um, making sure that you are um, surrounding yourself with people who are supportive, mm -hmm. um, making sure that you get good sleep. Yeah. Um, 
Things like staying physically active helps. There's a lot of data that for mild depression, regular exercise, um, and we're not talking, you know, run a marathon, yeah. just go out and go for a 10 minute walk once a day. Mm. Um, those little things can really help um, our moods. Yeah. Um, and I will say the sleep stuff is huge and I probably didn't realize until my mid forties how yeah. important sleep is. Medical school, yeah. residency, yeah, she, not she, not conducive to yeah. eight hours of sleep <laughs> a night. Um, but you know, I see kids in the office taking many AP exam or yeah. a, you know, multiple AP classes, mm-hmm. sports, extracurriculars, yeah. jobs, and you can't do that all on six hours of sleep yeah. a night. Um, if you don't get sleep, you're going to be more irritable. Mm-hmm. You're going to be more anxious. Um, it makes you less able to cope when there mm-hmm. is sort of a stressor. Um, so I really think that, you know, teenagers, the sleep yeah. is important. So for for a teenager um, like myself or anyone else that may be listening, what do you think is an appropriate amount of sleep consistently per night? Honestly, we really hope for a minimum at eight and a half hours. Okay. Um, some need more. Yeah. I, I stressed, you know, figure out what time you have to be up for school yeah. and, and try to get to bed at least eight hours before that gotcha. time. Um, so that you're getting and then making sure with the sleep you're you're getting restful sleep turning off the the screens um, silencing the phones Mm -hmm. those you know electronic devices wake our brains up yeah so it's pretty hard um, if we're looking at those things right before we go to sleep to then get our brain to to calm down is there anything you recommend that teenagers do kind of like 30 minutes to an hour before they go to sleep well turning off this I say turn them off at least yeah Uh um you know, trying to have a routine, you mm-hmm. know, you, you brush your teeth, you yeah. read a book, um, you know, really you, sh- you're, you should be trying to use your bed just for sleeping. Um, gotcha. It shouldn't be a place you're doing your homework, okay. um, you know, because it, it's one of those things, making sure you have a comfortable place to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, lights out, um, ambient lights yeah. wake our brains up. Um, so sometimes, you, you know, if you're a person that the, the minute the sun rises, you wake mm-hmm. up, you know, getting those dark curtains, that yeah. kind of stuff. Gotcha. Okay, I wanted to shift topics a little bit. Um, a lot of the audience, uh, including myself, sometimes we not, may not be familiar or comfortable with handling a situation in which someone close to us um, is thinking about committing suicide or having um, suicidal ideations. So. How would you recommend someone handle that situation? So if you, if a friend of yours? Yeah, a friend, family member, yeah. anyone close to you. Well, you know, if you're worried about somebody and they haven't said anything mm-hmm. to you, it's a little more challenging. Yeah. But I would, if you're really worried, you know, try talking to that person, okay. just letting them know, you know, hey, I'm here. Yeah. If, if things aren't going well, I'm here to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody that's close to you voices um, that they have thoughts of self-harm or hurting themselves, that, that's a, a big yeah. um, red flag to me. And I think that you need to take it seriously. Yes. Um, it sounds like, you know, it's from when I listen to other students on your podcast, they, they talk about, you know, I'm here to listen. I'm, you know, I, I want to help. Um, but I always need them to understand that, you know, you're a friend. Um, you're a young person yourself mm-hmm. and friends are not professionals yeah, exactly. and so honestly the best way to be a, a friend is help that person get professional okay. help and that can be challenging yeah. sometimes okay so i find sometimes um kids come in saying that you know my friend you know 
told me they want to kill themselves. And yeah. to me, if you think somebody's at eminent risk, um, you need to let, you know, that you talked about the crisis line, the yep. 988, um, mm -hmm. call that. Yeah. Um, we've, I think you guys also have access to Safe to Tell. Yep. So that's another resource. Okay. Um, if it's somebody who maybe isn't, you know, in imminent risk, trying to find out if they've talked to their family okay. about it. Um, I know some teens are not comfortable talking with their parents, but you could do things like offer to go with them um, okay. while they talk to their parents. You had, I believe, Ms. Sell is a social worker, is that right, at your school? Yeah. yeah. You can go with them yeah. you know, to talk to her, but trying to get an adult or a professional um, aware of the situation, mm -hmm. because ultimately that's the best way to be a friend. Okay. So then, while a lot of um, those of us in the community are not professionals um, as teenagers, how can anyone with less expertise um, still make a difference in our community? It doesn't have to be obviously like referring a friend, like if none of your friends um, are considering suicide, how can they still make a difference? Um, you know, obviously, um I, teenagers are very social creatures. You guys like spending time in groups, and so you've talked a lot in your um, podcast about um, joining organizations. Yeah. If you do have a particular interest in mental health, I believe there's like some peer-to-peer -peer advising mm -hmm. type um, roles you can play. Um, making, you know, if you see something, if you see somebody being bullied, it's hard, but saying something right then, yeah. you know, even if you don't know that person, if, if you walk up and, and you know help that person through that situation, um, it might make a huge difference yeah. for that individual, perfect. knowing that there's somebody out there that you know is watching and, and looking out for them. Yeah, perfect. So if someone is suffering from depression and maybe is like scared to take the first step to contact a health care provider but does, what would that situation kind of look like? Yeah, and I'm really, you know, I wanted to stress um, that we do take um, depression and anxiety very seriously for our patients. Uh, even before the pandemic, um, we were screening all 11-year-olds uh, and up when they come in for their wellness visits or their sports physicals. We ask questions trying to identify um, depression um, and maybe somebody that nobody realized mm -hmm. that, that they're having it, even their family. So if we can identify depression early, um, I feel like we can get therapy and resources going much sooner, and hopefully that will be a, a better outcome. Um, I'd much rather be proactive. Uh, if I know somebody has mild or moderate depression, we can start treatment, um, and I'd much rather address it in a situation where it's controlled like mm -hmm. that than suddenly have like a crisis okay. situation. So if somebody came in and was, um, you know, had actively um, contemplating suicide, where I was really concerned for their safety. We have options of getting emergency evaluations done. Um, we have resources um, with some inpatient um, units where they can go in and get an emergency evaluation. And if they are safe to go home, they'll be released okay. with a treatment plan in place. And if they're not safe, um, we will make sure they stay safe mm -hmm. until they get proper treatment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will say um, that's the rare situation. Yeah. Most of what I see are kids that maybe are mildly or moderately depressed. And then I'll ask some follow-up questions to assess if they're at risk of suicide. Okay. Um, 
if we find kids that are having thoughts of suicide, then, then we have um, treatment um, that we can start. Um, in addition to therapy and medications, I often um, work on safety plans mm -hmm. with patients. Um, and therapists also do this. I believe in one of your podcasts, you had a, a young woman that had talked about her um, experience maybe at an inpatient facility where yeah. she did have a safety plan mm -hmm. when she left. And I find that is something that we can help people develop. Yeah. Um, and then, then that gives them a control, a, you know, regain control of their safety when they are feeling overwhelmed. Okay. So then what would that safety plan kind of look like? I assume it varies person to person, but... It's sort of an outline of how it works. Um, there are um, certain things that are elements of all of them. And one of the elements um, we ask, and we usually really encourage um, people to sit down with a professional, whether it's a therapist, a doctor, um, school social worker, to develop these. And so the, one of the elements is um, develop, you know, we ask them to think about reasons for living. So if they're feeling really down, um, what are some reasons for living? And it can be simple things. Um, I've had patients tell me they're pets, mm -hmm. um, kids that have goals, like I've always wanted to climb Pikes Peak, um, you know, fun trips they have planned, friends that they, you know, want to be around to yeah. help. So those are sort of things we have them outline. Um, Another element we like them to look at is sort of like maybe what are some warning signs or um, think, think that their depression might be getting worse. And these, um, like, you know, different people, it's going to be different things. Some people um, spend more time alone or withdraw from activities that they used to enjoy or crying. But I will mention that a lot of teenagers, when they're depressed, will get irritable or angry. Yeah. So maybe fighting more with parents or... Uh -huh. um, getting in trouble acting out at school. And one of the reasons we like to have this really outlined is that this document, once they develop it, they can actually share that with their, you know, people they trust, okay. their friends, gotcha. um, maybe a school therapist, mm -hmm. counselor, their healthcare provider, and then people around them, like if your friend gave you their safety plan and you notice, hey, you used to come to our club meeting every Tuesday and we mm -hmm. haven't seen you that yeah. you can reach out to them and say, gotcha. you know, you, you mentioned that withdrawal might be a sign of your, okay. So, um, other things we talk about healthy distractions, um, things that kids can do when they feel down, mm -hmm. they can identify like maybe they like to listen to music or go for a hike. I think you guys talked about one of your guests had a, a um, sticky notes or something that yep, they yep, yeah. yeah so having a say i think about putting a box together with like little pictures of fun times uh -huh. or little notes or gifts mm -hmm. you know little things that when you're feeling bad you can open that box uh -huh. and kind of look at it awesome um i really want them to come up with several people that they can turn to for help and support and being really specific so like mm -hmm. in these safety plans like first name last name um cell number, email, so it can be things like a teacher at school mm -hmm. who I see every third period. It could be, um, you know, a friend, um, a parent. Um, these are non-professional people, yeah. but um, I like them to have a couple of different people in different environments so okay. that if they can't get a hold of, you know, this friend at, you know, two in the morning, maybe they have a relative listed mm -hmm. who has agreed 24-7, you call me, I'll, I'll pick up my phone. Okay. Um, so that's another element of the safety plan. We're trying to build multiple yeah. things yeah. That in a moment of you know despair or mm -hmm. crisis. 
people pull out their safety plan and they, okay. they have gotcha. concrete steps. So you mentioned having people for support. Um, so those like, giving them your safety plan um, so they're equipped to help you. What would that kind of look like? Because you said that, again, they're not professionals, so they can only do so much. Right. Um, but they can also say, oh, look, you know, I, I can tell you're feeling down. How down are you feeling? Gotcha. Oh, do you want to just go for a walk? Uh -huh. You know, will that help you okay. feel better? So that gives them ideas like, oh, I know you like, you know, um, fishing. Uh -huh. Hey, let's go fishing Saturday. Gotcha. You know, things that you then know what might help them kind gotcha. of in those. Now, obviously, if it's an emergency situation, yeah. you know, this person is not doing well, you call 988, mm -hmm. you have the crisis line. Um, as I mentioned, um, you know, there's lots of resources out there, but we put them in the plan yeah. <laughs> so that yeah. in a moment, you know, you can pull it up and look at it and, um, I think about some other resources that people may not be aware is available. Um, there is a group called the Trevor Project, yep. um, and that is a um, group that works with LGBTQ young people, and they have access 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, crisis counselors, mm -hmm. 365 days a year. If you get on their website, you can chat, you can oh, talk, okay. you can text. Yeah. Um, and so that's a resource uh -huh. for that for those individuals that I think is huge and it's free. Yeah. And it doesn't involve necessarily going to an emergency room mm -hmm. or to a um, mental health facility. Gotcha. So, um, so those things are all part of the safety plans. And, and another huge part of the safety plan that we work with on with kids and families is making the environment for the kids safe. Yeah. So, unfortunately, teenagers are impulsive yeah. and. Um, we can never predict when or um, who might attempt to die by suicide. Yeah. Um, but if we know that you're ha experiencing suicidal thoughts, um, making it safe for you in, in your home, um, in your environment. So we talk to families about, you know, if there's dangerous medicines at home, yeah. making sure that they're locked up, yeah. there's no access to that. Um, unfortunately, we have teens that self-harm and yeah. cut. Um, and so for those kids, you know, maybe there's a plan with the family that the, the razors and the scissors and all of those things are not accessible. Gotcha. If a, if a kid needs a razor to shave, they, they have a code word, they go say to their parent, and then the parent is aware that, okay, gotcha. here, here's your razor. Yeah. Okay, now I'll take it back. Okay. Um, firearms um, need to be stored. You know, if they're in the home, they need to be stored securely where there's not easy access. Yeah. Um, if you're living with somebody that's... Um, you know, having um, depression, serious thoughts of suicide, those things need to be um, in a place where that person can't easily access them. Perfect. All right, well, that's it from me. If there's anything else you would want to dive into, um, I think I that's think it. I think that was pretty much it. I appreciate um, all your time and effort, and I was going to give you guys one other resource mm -hmm. um, when you're trying to connect with therapists. I know it can be very challenging. Yeah. Um, finding therapists working with new patients and um, taking your insurance. But there is a resource through Colorado called imattercolorado.org, and anyone can go on their website. Um, it's uh, available to parents as well as uh, kids 12 and up, and you can fill out a brief survey, ask some questions about your um, mental health, and then it helps connect you um, to the appropriate resources. And, Kids and students, um, teens can get up to um, six free therapy okay. sessions. Yeah. Um, it's um, something there are some 
uh, available in, in person, but most of it will be online. Okay. Um, but it's a huge resource maybe for those families that um, financially um, can't access therapists yeah. or for those teens who maybe need a therapist but um, having trouble connecting with one if their families are reluctant to help Perfect. them um, connect with a therapist. So with that, I definitely want to go into some local and national resources that you guys can go to if you need help. Um, NAMI Colorado Springs or the National Alliance on Mental Illness. They offer several programs regarding improving mental health and plenty of resources to go during a mental health crisis. We also have Safe to Tell, which is an anonymous reporting service where you can report anything that concerns or threatens you, your friends, your family, or your community with a 24-7 service. Um, that's one 877 542-7233. We also have the Colorado Crisis Services, which offer immediate help to issues regarding substance abuse, sexual identity issues, depression and anxiety, and more. Um, you can also go on the Lewis Palmer School District Counseling page, which is just a great directory source to find extensive resources from local to national scales. Going on to broader resources, we have 988, uh, which is our National Crisis and Suicide Prevention Hotline. Um, you can get online support from a trained professional for absolutely any problem. Uh, if you want to get involved, we have the Pikes Peak Suicide Prevention um, Partnership, which is a community in the Pikes Peak region oriented towards spreading awareness of mental health and suicide prevention through resources, events, and training like QPR, which is question, per se, refer. And they have a teenager advocacy board if you guys would like to join. And then here in Monument, we also have So Coalition, or the Social Emotional Wellness Coalition, which is another community in the Tri Lakes area, partnered with PPSP, and also oriented towards teenage mental health and suicide prevention. If you're interested, please reach out to Miss O'Connor, the Lewis Palmer High School principal, or Miss Sell, the Lewis Palmer High School social worker. Thank you guys. Blah blah blah.